John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 495.JE3623, certificate number 12598, four-leaf clover. Uh-oh, those kids are after me, Lucky Charm. You seem charmed. Well, I'm looking over a four-leaf clover that I overlooked before. We used to sing that song in first grade. Yeah. But the lyrics don't make sense. One is for sunshine, the second for rain. The third is for flowers that bloom in the spring? Mm-hmm. Wait, are those the leaves? The first leaf is for sunshine. Yeah, the second for rain. The third leaf of a clover is for other flowers elsewhere? That's right. And mm-hmm. what's the fourth one? It, does the song ever say? I guess not. It's about three a three-leafed clover. Maybe the fourth leaf is all of the things that the first three leaves represent. I don't understand why the... Wait, does the... Is the fourth leaf ever mentioned? Because there is something about some somebody I adore. You know, this is the conspiracy. Oh, no need explaining. The one remaining is somebody I adore. Oh, so, of course. So the four leaves represent the four most important things. Sunshine, rain, other flowers, flowers. and your crush. And your crush. What a convenient flower to have, or a convenient plant to have all four of those things in one place. But it's part of the larger school of tearing the leaves off of flowers as a profession of your love for somebody oh you think it's uh he loves me he loves me not kind of has to be right well what does that mean you pull the first leaf off and then you get sunshine you pull two leaves off and you get rain i I don't know how the game would work maybe you start with the one for your love and then when it when it's sunny you pull the other one off you know i I don't know how all this this teenage or this uh elementary school sorcery works (laughs) it's been a long time why were we singing all these like 1940s songs well it's better than the the 1640 songs we were singing about kings being beheaded. We didn't even know that that's what they were doing. Here's a version that says it's third is the roses that grow in the lane. Now, at least that rhymes with rain. The roses. Which is better than flowers that bloom in the spring. Well, and also roses. If you're going to pick a flower. Why would clover represent roses? Why would a single leaf of a clover represent a totally other species of flowering plant? Look, I think you're putting too much thought into this. Have you ever had a good luck charm? Like something you carried around, some talismanic uh, property or? Uh, for when I was uh, on my walk, it's been a long time since I mentioned my long walk across Europe. Yeah, it's been, it's been maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I actually had a little, like a little gram of silver in the shape of a, a bar of silver on the shape of what you would normally, it would be an ounce. A little tiny ingot. The it, littlest ingot. It was a little ingot that I had that I kept in case I needed some hard currency. And then many, many months later. Is that true? Do you think somebody would have said, oh, a gram of silver? I'll give you euro for that. Well, well yes. Deutschmarks or whatever I did think that. Uh, and then I was in Romania. I was out of money. I was in the mountains. I came upon like a work camp. Sun was going down. I was way up at altitude. There was a work camp up there that was building trail or something. I said to the foreman, can I bunk with you tonight? Can I have some food? Can I bunk with you? And he said, you can for, you know, 50 Romanian lei, which equaled $7. So you're going to have a Romanian lei? I was going to have a Romanian lei. And I searched my pockets for my ingot which would have been 
uh, which would have more than covered my 50 lei charge, and I couldn't find it. I looked everywhere. It's not a very good lucky charm. I couldn't find it. And then later on after, and, and I ended up making some deal with the devil in order to we don't, we don't need to know whatever, no. what happened between you two. Get, get a bowl of slop and, uh, and a bunk. But, uh, but later, I found the ingot on my person exactly where I expected to find it. It was just, it had dematerialized for the 20 minutes that I desperately needed it. That's like an unlucky charm. It was pretty unlucky. If it, or unless it was protecting you, unless you know, they would have rolled you or something had they known you were carrying so much precious metal. No, I mean, they were mostly honest men. Isn't a gram? I'm looking at the value of silver. This can't have been one gram. This says a gram of silver is worth eighty-five cents. Oh well, yeah. Maybe I was. Maybe I was trying to bamboozle these guys. Plus, it would be tiny. A gram of silver. It was pretty tiny. Like a gram is like a a piece of popcorn weighs a gram. How much is? Do you think it could be like? Oh, maybe it was, like, it was one ounce of silver. That's what it is. That probably makes more sense. You were you were converting to Europe because you were doing your Romanian lay. Yeah, no, it was one ounce of silver. No, it wasn't. It was a gram. I swear to you, it was a gram because an ounce of silver would be a would be a substantial. It was a tiny thing that was meant to a troy ounce, is about thirty grams, which would be you know twenty five bucks today. Yeah, it was meant to. Um, maybe I, it was five grams. I like that you have some backup. You back up currency, but it turns out it's worth 85 cents. It's like, par- five it's like parents that are keeping all their copies of uh, Spawn Number 1 to put their kids through college. <laughs> they do make little five-gram silver bars. So I don't know if you understand what a lucky charm is. You were just carrying around money. Yeah, I'm not sure I do. Like, are you talking about a rabbit's foot or something? Sure. Or a uh, lucky charm. Yeah, I mean, it could be something like a rabbit's foot that actually becomes like a, a, like a tick, you know, something you can worry with your... But but this all feels like voodoo. Did you ever have one of these? No, not really. I mean, I'm trying to think what the closest thing is. I still wear this old Mickey Mouse watch that I got as a high school graduation present, although it's been through many iterations now. Right. But I don't know if that counts as a... I don't, I don't think it has any powers. I'm just too lazy to pick out a new watch. Yeah, it's... Uh, which is a little different. Do you have a... Do you have anything in your life where when you finally lost it, you were dismayed? But you probably didn't feel like your luck had... I left, yeah, I left the the original watch I left in uh, movie theater in Linwood, Washington, which is now a Coles, where I saw Courage Under Fire in the in the mid nineties. Why would with you Meg have Ryan taken your watch Damon. off? Uh, I think it slipped. Uh, have I told this story before? I think the band had broken, so it was just sitting in my pocket during the movie, and then it oh slipped out, lost in the depths of the chair. I had a Spyderco knife that I carried with me for many years, and it slipped off. It slipped out of my pocket. Uh, on the beach in Marseille, and I realized it had, I'd done it, uh, you know, because I I always touched it, you know, yeah. I always had my hand on it. That's kind of like a amulet, then, if you're. And I walked a hundred yards away and put my hand on my pocket. And it wasn't there. I realized it had slipped out. I ran back and spent fifteen minutes digging in the sand. Never found it. I and guess today we all have a cell phone for that purpose. You know, the thing that you're constantly touching, touching to make sure it's still there. You would feel unnerved if it suddenly disappeared. I I remember um, the folks at Jeopardy just being desperate f- to have uh, material for those awful little mini contestant interviews, and they wanted to know they, if you they had were a like, lucky "Tell charm? us what your lucky charm is." And I was like, "Okay, I'll." Uh, so, but I just invented a lucky charm. I took, um, I think maybe my son had a little stuffed Totoro, like that could have been a keychain, but uh-huh. it, it had never actually had keys on it. I don't, I don't know where it came from. I just kept that in my suit pocket that day, and I was like, "Yeah, this is uh, this is Totoro. This is my lucky charm." Don't know what I would do without him, but that was literally the only day I ever had Totoro. You were just faking it. Yeah, it's okay to lie to Alex Trebek. Sure, sure. Do you think that Alex had a lucky charm? He strikes me as an eminently practical person of uh, of such honest working class stock that he would consider it an affectation to yes. have a lucky charm. Yes, I believe he would. He would say his lucky charm is, you know. Hard work, or or uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. or whole wheat, whole wheat, whole grain bread, or something. Yes, hard work and whole grain bread. Probably, I'm, yeah. I'm speculating because he's not with us anymore. But probably, uh-huh. no. So I've never had a lucky charm, and I don't. Um, I guess I understand the the attraction of having this thing that's always with you. But you know, it, we have car keys and stuff now for that. 
it, it requires a belief in some other. Uh, it requires that you and a very and a very specific odd belief, not just that there's a a deity somewhere in the sky watching over us, but also that somehow the universe has imbued this particular part of a rabbit with power over some particular part of your life. It's is just, it cultural? I mean, in China, are Lucky Charms uh, their fa- their favorite? Yeah, if you, uh, if you buy the cereal, it's just cereal. different stuff. Red dragons. <laughs> oh, you make us go to. There, it is right. Aren't there? Aren't there cultures that that have luck? Yeah, I think, Im- imbued in. Things? I think China actually is an example of uh, a culture where luck is you know, the uh, the idea of luck as a force is more powerful than daily life and really would influence how you lay out your living room or the license plate number you want for your car. You know, the letter, the number eight being in high demand because it's a, right. a, a luckier, it's, it's a homophone for a, a, a lucky character of some kind. I, uh, when, when good things happen to me, I'm always very suspicious of them. And when bad things happen, I assume they're my fault. So I never, uh, exactly. Yeah. I never, the and luck I'm, doesn't and, play. And I'm the opposite. When something good happens to me, I assume I, I earned it. That's, I, that's the American I, way. I know that about you. Yes. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I am a big believer in luck. making your own luck. No, just oh. in just in how you can see in your own life. Like, oh. just cut, my life changed on such a weird fluke of fate that I'm a stronger believer than anyone in, uh, you know, whatever the opposite of meritocracy is. Just not the really fact a that, fluke of fate. You did know all that weird stuff. Yeah, but I didn't know like seventy five times as much as some guy that won one game. Like I was, I, I just happened to had a lot of breaks go my way. Oh, I see. Uh, exactly. That's see, that's the mistake people make. Like good for you earning all that instead of doing something stupid, like uh, being on fear factor or whatever, you know, like instead of reality TV, you actually earned it. And I always have to push back against that. Say, no, no, no. They made us eat centipedes on jeopardy too. It's crazy. It just not on the During screen. During all the breaks, Alex is like, eat these mealworms. I think he's a Klingon. Uh, there is a, well, what do I think of as luck playing a, a role? No, I just think of it as chance or happenstance, but I do knock on wood. Oh, really? Um, but I feel like knocking on wood is just, I, it's like a folk That's more like thing. a social thing where you're like, I don't want to sound too full of myself, so I'll just say, you yeah, know, well, if all goes well. Well, it's another version of inshallah. Yes. It's just sort of like, oh, well, you know, let's not curse that. But you don't believe in Allah, so you just say inch. 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 Inchworm. What if that was your new catchphrase? I believe in Allah, but only in this one context, that if you mock him by predicting the future, he will smite you. But in, in all other uh, respects, I don't, I don't practice a religion, you, you just that he, one. You believe he doesn't exist, or he exists, but he only, he only intercedes if you, if you mock him. If you mock him by, by, by predicting the that future. That would be the kind of God I was. Yeah. I, like pretty checked out right but if somebody says something mean about me online suddenly i'm like dear sir uh speaking of jeopardy mini interviews when i was guest hosting uh this is your walk across a, europe a few by weeks. the way oh, i get a lot of has it been 10 it. minutes since i mentioned the fact that i was on a game show one of the, i had totally forgotten this but i guess one of the contestants had a story that he had a collection of uh ken jennings voodoo dolls yeah no hundreds of four leaf clovers oh uh and I was, you know, very charmed by this because I've never, my whole life, I've never found a four-leaf clover to the degree that I kind of think it's a conspiracy theory. I also have never found one. I looked for them passionately when I was a kid. So much clover up here. Never found a four-leaf clover and also started to doubt their existence. And we used to, we used to, I don't know if you ever did this. My mom said, oh, you, you know, clover is edible, which is true. Right. It's a legume. It's like a bean or a pea. So you can eat the, the shoots just like pea greens, but you can... um you know, we used to take out the little pur- pinkish purple things of the blooms and you could kind of yeah. suck some of the nectar out of them or, yeah, or, or right. we thought we were. Right. And uh, so I spent a lot of my childhood looking at clover. Yeah. And uh, as you say, clover. It's everywhere. Everywhere. And I never saw a single one. So if there's a, I think we've talked before about the conspiracy theories that we actually believe, like, like I believe that applause meters at stadiums are fake and that those um, coin flattening machines are all are all preloaded with flattened coins. I believe the children are our future. You believe that the first moon landing was real, but all the others were <laughs> fake. Uh, <laughs> I believe every other moon landing was fake. The odd-numbered, the even-numbered <laughs> moon landings were all fake. Uh, 
No, but, but so I, yeah, I'd be perfectly prepared to believe that four leaf clovers are not real. I've never seen one. And I said that to this, to this gentleman on the show, like, what's your, what's your secret? I've never found a single one. And I just got a bunch of mail from Jeopardy, mostly, um, nice older ladies named Carol saying, um, you know, they're very real. We, 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 no, it was the, mostly just, you know, we wish you all the best. We miss Alex, but a guy named Roy with no return address. So I can't thank him. Uh, sent me uh, a note about how he's got a collection of hundreds of four-leaf clovers and he uh, enough that he could share some of his bounty with, with let me. me. Let so, me see that. Whoa! So he just so here's some in a mylar. Some of those are gigantic. Envelope. Gigantic. And here's like I guess you, this is how you certify. This is how you certify it. Here's a picture he took of the of the clover oh, in the wild. He's got documentation with the date and then inside on a card you know, with the date, this was found June 4th of last year at 1.32 p.m. Okay. And then he's got the, the clover itself pressed between two cards. He's how, got a whole system. How rad is that? And I wish I could, I, I assume Roy does not listen to this podcast, but I was so delighted because until this moment yesterday opening this mail... I had no belief in four-leaf clovers. Oh, wait. This is not part of omnibus mail. This is just some guy, some Jeopardy fan. Yeah, and he sends it to, he sends it to Sony uh, Sony Pictures' attention, Ken Jennings. You said you didn't have a four-leaf clover. What the hell? <laughs> and he blew my mind. Well, I love it. I love that, and um, I'm glad that now you have a four-leaf clover. I'm going to have to keep... I'm going to have to keep on keeping on until one comes my way. And that concludes Four Leaf Clovers, <laughs> entry number. No, I was interested, you know, briefly interested yesterday on getting this Four Leaf Clover in the mail because it really was like just, you This know, just happened, though. I mean, you, you talked about this many decades ago, right? On, 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 uh. On Jeopardy? No, no, no. This was uh, this was another contestant to me bragging oh. about his. You know, that was his interesting story having oh, a four leaf clover. You hosted when I was guest hosting. Oh wow, a it's couple, a double, triple back. walk across Europe. <laughs> yeah, I got to I got to mention the whole thing, and uh, and then. But do you think if you're a guy like Roy that just has hundreds of these filed away that it loses some of its talismanic quality well, no because he's documented it's i'm just surprised he could let it go it's probably a different thing for him for him it's more like geocaching or something you know just the, the quest of the of the hunt in nature you think it's like a like someone who has 1000 ceramic pig salt shakers exactly or yeah. or yeah or the the acquisitive principle of the collector it's a much better thing to acquire than than pig-shaped salt shakers they're extremely rare and pig-shaped Salt shakers, unfortunately, are not. Are you saying that four-leaf clovers are genuinely rare? Uh, they are often estimated to be about one in ten, to occur at one in every 10,000 clovers. <gasps> so to find one is really a, like a special event. Well, yes and no. I, I'm not sure. Uh, the estimate of one in 10,000 is actually a little bit high. They are more common than that. There has been a uh, kind of a mass, uh, what do you call it, uh, Hysteria? Yeah, there's been a mass hysteria around four-leaf clovers. Mm -hmm. No, what do you call it when you, you crowds A crowdsourced project out of Switzerland that has uh, you know recorded the number of four-leaf clovers found using, you know, as a proportion of other clovers. You know, so you, you take an area of ground the size of an A4 sheet of paper, you count the number of clovers, and you count the number of four-leaf clovers and move on. And they have 5.7 million clovers in their in the last few years of their research. Nerds. And what do you mean? <laughs> totally normal way to spend your time in Switzerland. And they have found uh, the proportion is actually one in 5,076. Whoa. Clovers are on the way up, but that's only in Switzerland. That's Those are Swiss clover. They Well, they've, they've uh, been looking by, they have data from five different countries in Europe and multiple species. Nerds. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and they don't... They don't believe there's much variability within, you know, between nations or species. So it's a matter of belief now. <laughs> yes, they have, they have, well, they don't think they have big enough sample size of oh, any particular, okay. like any differences between countries or species may just be a matter of uh, just not having a big enough Come to Seattle. We size. have a lot of clover here. We, I wonder clover. what kind of clover we have. You know, even if you ask the Irish, 
you know, what their traditional shamrock is. And by the way, a shamrock is not a four-leaf clover. Is this a mistake you've ever made? It's a it's a, a mistake I have made Constantly, 100% of the time. You go to McDonald's and you say, I'd like a four-leaf, four-leaf clover, clover shake. shake. And they say, sir. I haven't had a shamrock shake in so long. Have you? Do they still have them? I guess every March. They're like the menthol cigarettes of shakes. <laughs> what does that even What does that even mean? I'm not sure. Wealthy African-Americans love them. What are you talking about when you say that four-leaf clovers and shamrocks are not the same? Uh, the shamrock, the symbol of Ireland, is actually a three-leaf clover. This is important what? to the cosmology because the legend is of St. Patrick using the clover as an object lesson to explain the trinity so one is a to, to one dumb is, peat eating dumb Kevin's in in uh, Dark Ages Ireland. One is the sun, one is the rain, and one is the the uh, the, uh, the, the Pentecost. Got, one is the father, right? One, one is, is the, the sun, sun, and the third is for flowers that bloom in the spring. I have never understood what the Holy Spirit is, if not the Father and the Son. It's the third leaf of a clover. So you didn't have Saint Patrick to explain this to you. No. They it's all one clover, but look how it's manifested in three different leaves. I mean, oh, apparently, I this was the object lesson that led these. Uh, Mud, mud streaks, uh, Irishmen to, to, to embrace to say, the religion, to embrace Christianity. Uh, yeah, but there's no kissing and you would think that you would think that there'd be kissing in this story. Wait, you think they'd kiss the clover? They'd kiss no, each there, other? No, there'd be a four-leaf clover and the fourth one would be for kissing. Oh, see, maybe that's what he did. He found a four-leaf clover and he's like, uh-oh, we're not having any of that kissing yeah. here in Ireland. Okay, so now I'm thinking of the Irish flag. I'm thinking of it. Not having any kissing in it. It it doesn't have a big clover in the middle. I don't know what you're picturing. Oh, no, it's got a harp, right? Or is that just the symbol for Guinness? (laughs) No, the the harp is on their Euros. The Celtic harp is a national symbol. Their flag is just an orange stripe and a a white stripe and a green stripe. Oh, it's one of those It's free of all clovers of of any count. Um, But we have, that's that's a conflation that we have, uh, it's a misconception here in America that the four, I think because the association with luck and we've, we put we, we put a little leprechaun on every every time you see a little clover. There's a leprechaun. The leprechauns are only big in America. Like it's a very small part of Irish myth. Leprechauns? Yeah, they have you know they have you know there are fairies in Celtic mythology, but the leprechauns are not central to their to their um, what their iconography. I'm the, always the chasing them out of my garden. Them. They're like, oh my gosh, we gotta. If you're seeing leprechauns in your garden, yes. Uh, well, gnomes actually a lot of lot more gnomes than leprechauns. Are they all just standing still? No, they they keep peeking out from behind plants and going, "We're not gnomes." <laughs> and and do you think they're telling the truth? I can't tell. There's That's one the gnome that gnomes. always tells the truth, and one gnome that always lies. <laughs> We're not gnomes, and they keep saying they're not gnomes. This entry of the omnibus is brought to you by Mac Weldon. As you know, John and I are big fans. I'm of wearing Ma- them right now. Mac Weldon's whole line of uh, you're wearing the undies right now. Well, yeah, and yesterday I went to play tennis at the uh, the little swimming pool where my daughter is on the swim team. Just in your Mack Weldon underwear. Well, so no, I was wearing some shorts and a and a short sleeve shirt because that's tennis wear. But I had my Mack Weldon stripy socks on, and I knew my daughter's swim team was going to be practicing right next to the tennis courts. So I pulled my socks all the way up to my knees. And you got, a, I bet you got a lot of approving looks from. Uh... From neighborhood moms, oh, all because the those moms. are some good-looking socks. Yeah, the moms were like, "Who's this racy guy?" If but, th- but she, I'm trying to humiliate my daughter. Uh, yeah, that's uh, like that's ninety percent of the fun of being a dad. Embarrassing dad. Uh, I used to think my parents didn't know when they were doing it, but it's so fun. They yeah. must have known. Yeah, they know. They knew. So, but if, you, but if you think Mack Weldon just makes underwears, no, check out their website: socks, shirts, hoodies, polos, super great pants, uh, relaxing. Like, uh, they're not, they're better than sweatpants. They're as comfortable as sweatpants, but they kind of read as cool pants. They use a wide range of kind of high tech, latest generation, cool fibers and fabrics that I really like the feel of. Air knit X, they have dry names near. like dry near with a silent K. Warm knit. Fantastic. Uh, silver threaded underpants, which are f- my favorite cause they, they ward away vampires. Uh, they wore away Frankenstein's. They wore away Frankenstein. Frankenstein's are always trying to take off your um, take off your underpants. Oh, sure, famously in the story, that's that's in the. He was stitched together from <laughs> six or seven cadavers that all liked to take off people's <laughs> underpants, and that's why they were put to death. Uh, and you like their loyalty program, right? Weldon Blue. I do. As you wor- work your way up the levels, uh, you can get to level two uh, by spending two hundred dollars. 
you'll get 20% off every order for the next year. And, you know, $200 order, that's 40 bucks off. They guarantee your first pair of underwear. If you have not tried Mack Weldon, there's no risk to you. Order a, order a pair of undies. If it's not to your taste, they'll just let you keep the undies. They're cool like that. I know this to be, sh- to be sure, that Mack Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, keep them, and they'll refund you the money. Is Mack Weldon a guy? Is there a, like a Mr. Weldon? He's the Mac Daddy of Weldon's. Is he? Was he in Crisscross? Do you ever wear your <laughs> Mac Weldon stuff backwards? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it immediately. So that's twenty percent off your first order. So you don't even have to get to level two. Mac Weldon's gonna give you twenty percent off right away. Go to MacWeldon.com/slash/omnibus. Enter the promo code Omnibus. That's, and get twenty percent off. That's Mac Weldon. M A C K W E L D O N. dot com slash Omnibus and enter promo code. Omnibus, you'll get 20% off. Mack Weldon, Reinventing Men's Basics. You know, you'd think that the idea of the four-leaf clover as some powerful talismanic thing predates, you know, you think it would be a druid symbol or something predating St. Patrick. No one knows who they were. Or, or what, in fact, they were doing. In fact, there is no mention of four-leaf clover as lucky or special until the 19th century. Oh, I thought you were going to say the 1970s. Until the 1970s. <laughs> I was going to say, the, wow. The happy face sticker and the four-leaf clover were invented by the same man. Wow, talk about gaslighting. No, in 1869, there's a mention to sorceresses collecting a, a four-leafed clover. I think just because of its rarity, there would be some implication that it had some special destiny or powers. But th- th- this is some Aleister Crowley, uh, like, like Led Zeppelin lyric stuff. Yeah, I think it's more. Yeah, more like the the fairies, the, the you know the fair folk in the garden. Um, maybe spiritualism is an influence. I'm clicking my Dr Pepper bottle. I was wondering what that sound was. Are you disturbed by no, that? No, I, I was just like, do you like it? Those gnomes? Is it ASMR? Like, we're not gnomes. And then the first mention of it as a lucky thing is 1877, a child's letter to an American children's magazine saying. Uh, is it true what they say about four-leaf clovers being lucky? So if oh, there wait, is, if, this is the star on the Tootsie Roll. Basically, yeah. If there are, if there is centuries of tradition about the power of the four-leaf clover, it's lost to prehistory because no, there's no extant mention of them before the late 19th century. I feel like the current or the the contemporary example is if you can find Tillamook old-fashioned vanilla in the ice cream aisle at at QFC. It is, they, they have French vanilla, but old-fashioned vanilla is like the four-leaf clover of ice cream. Did you see Tillamook shrunk their their cartons oh, and kept the price the same? I'm so infuriated. When I went in, and that just happened, yeah. went into the supermarket and I was like, Am I bigger? You villains. Did my hands get bigger? Why can uh, I palm a Tillamook now? I have to get two now. Uh, I think it's a healthy choice. I'm just going to eat a proportionally less Tillamook. It worked. It did not work for me. The, uh, the, you know, the Irish four-leaf clover, I think beca- because of the symmetry, uh, it's not Irish, the, the symmetry of the four-leaf clover makes it um, good as a logo. Uh, you know, for a long time, it was the, it was the symbol. I think it still is a symbol for 4-H. Well, yeah, it has all the H's. Yeah. Each, all four H's. Each, uh, what, are, what does 4-H stand for? Uh, one of them is heart. One of them is hands. Home and hearth. Head. Head, hoe. hands. What do farmers need? They have a hoe, right? Your head, your hands, your heart, and your hoe. And your hoe. Yeah, that's those, what. That's those all you need four, to conquer the frontier. Yes. Heart before hose. That's what they say <laughs> in 4-H. It's also a symbol of, now that it's become a symbol of good luck, uh, you know, Alfa Romeo has pa- paints it on their race cars. Right. SpaceX puts it on every rocket. Really? Which so far is not working well. That seems like really tempting God. <laughs> right? Well, it's it sort of shows that they're... It's not a great show of support, uh, faith in your technology, right? As you as you keep, uh, and just in case, we'll paint a we'll paint a four leaf clover on this one. Can't hurt, right? Did they paint a four leaf clover on that fifty seven Chevy or whatever they threw up there? <laughs> they should have sent an Alfa Romeo. Unfortunately, which I didn't know, it's also now the symbol of four chan. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's been true for since the beginning. I didn't know that. I guess is that time. what the four and four chan means? It's no. Each chan is a leaf. I don't think it is. I don't think because eight chan didn't. Didn't put up an There's eight, not an eight, eight, leaf eight leaf clover. By the way, eight leaf clovers do exist. Did you know that? They must be even rarer. They are. If four is rare, according to the Swiss project, they have found five and six leaf clovers in big enough quantities to have numbers. Uh, every clo- one clover in every twenty four thousand three hundred ninety is a five leaf clover. So a quarter again, the luck. Twenty five now now twenty five percent luckier. 
and a six-leaf clover, one in every 312,500. So it's, uh, you know, the multiplier is five or ten each time. How many eight-leaf clovers in that case? Uh, there must be eight-leaf clovers because the current record is held by one Shigeo Obara uh, of, uh, I think, Iwata uh, Prefecture in the north part of Honshu, Japan, who has found 18 and 21 leaf clovers, and as a result is in Guinness. You seem skeptical. Well, you think Shigeo is, is falsifying these I clovers? I think Shigeo is a fake name anyway, but uh, yeah. Oh, you, this is your conspiracy theory. This person doesn't exist. Yeah. Guinness is inventing fake Japanese people to taunt <laughs> us with their accomplishments. How would we know that that's not true? You could go to, you could go to North Honshu. Who's ever going to do that? You and I do. We, oh, you and I true. could, what if we did, like, what if for the first time we did firsthand research <laughs> We're like, for this Let's show, get to the bottom of this. Instead of just summarizing a Wired article from 1998. <laughs> you know what? It turns out jet fuel can melt steel beams. Yeah, what we need to do is be uh, be like the next iteration of Mythbusters. Uh, the three-leaf clover is a symbol, and I didn't know this, of, uh, unfortunately, of the Aryan Brotherhood in jail. That's a tattoo you get if you want to demonstrate your, your white power loyalty. They have so many different tattoos that are associated with white power. Why are they co-opting every single symbol? Can yeah. we just have one cartoon frog that's just fun? Yeah, right. Or or my, my darn Hawaiian shirts, my aloha got taken by these guys. Although I noticed that fell out of uh, of favor. I'm I'm back to wearing aloha shirts and nobody's yelling at me. I anymore. love the Seoul Olympics, so I want to wear 88 on all my articles of clothing. Right. And I can't do it anymore. Can't do it. It's been it's been canceled. It has been There's canceled. no number between 87 and 89 now. All those 80, 89 story buildings now just <laughs> leap up to up to nine at uh, 90. I yeah. wonder if that's going to start happening. I mean, 88 is more verboten now than than uh 13. Yeah, but this is all You know just... how I know this? You can't uh you can't bet $88 on Jeopardy anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, they don't... They had somebody bet the Nazi number, like, accidentally, like it was his... Maybe his anniversary was yeah, yeah. September 8th or something. Wait, I did that wrong. August 8th uh, or something. And, and it was... And uh, then they got a bunch of letters being like, hey, what was with that Nazi on Jeopardy? I, I feel like I feel like uh, it's one of those things that is a really big deal among a very small and vocal group of people, and it's not actually... Because most people don't know. No one's even, even right? going to care, right? Like, if you... Yeah, there's other things that 88 is associated with. Jeopardy, right? well, it's an extremely lucky number in, in uh, China. Extremely, chi- it's the luckiest two-digit number in China. It's the atomic number of radium. Yep, yep, as, that's an a, important and a, very lucky as element. As you know. Yeah. Um, no no uh, athletes appear to have worn, I mean, it's the number of keys on a piano, I guess that's the main thing. 88 key piano, that's sure. right. Mandy Patinkin's pianist character in Dick Tracy, 88 keys. Huh. As a result, now canceled. You can't you can't watch Dick Tracy anymore, or you can, but Mandy Patinkin is pixelated out. I'm looking for other. Uh, oh, 88 miles per hour in Back to the Future, of course. Sure, sure. The crazy 88s in Kill the, Bill, the most famous. Oh, this is interesting. The same uh, the same kind of alphanumeric thing that makes eight eight equivalent to HH for Nazi purposes also means it's short for hip hop. So in rap circles, at least before it got repurposed, did you know 88 is Navy slang for what? I don't believe this at all. 88. 88 is going on here. Huh. 80, 80, it's like a, who's on first routine? Ocho y ocho. That's probably why. If you go to Ireland and ask them what, uh, what kind of clover the shamrock even is, there is no... Agreement because there's many different species of clover. 46% of Irish people identify the hop clover as a shamrock. 35% say it's the white clover. Hmm. To 7% it's the black medic, which is not even a clover at all, but is in fact a clover-looking plant. And 4% say it's the red clover. The thing is there's a lot of plants that look like clover. A lot of wood sorrels kind of look like uh, clovers. And in fact, there is a... What's it called? They just changed the uh, species name. Oh, yeah. Oxalis tetraphylla is a non-clover plant. It's sometimes called the Iron Cross. Uh, It's an edible forest green, although it has a lot of oxalic acid in it, hence the genus Oxalis. And you want to limit how much of this you eat, John. Limit how much of this uh, Iron Cross you eat because it'll bond to the calcium in your... Uh, body and weaken your bones. I'm going to have to start making my smoothies with something else. But this is a 
clover-like plant that is always four-leaf. That's why it's called tetraphylla. So how does one know when one is a child out collecting four-leaf clovers or trying to that you're not getting it wrong in collecting some some uh, poisonous plant? Well, the Iron Cross is, um, it doesn't, I've seen pictures of it. It doesn't look that much like a clover. The leaves are very large. They've kind of got this purple coloration that doesn't really look like clover. Well, the clover that our friend sent us here the one that's small that has an accompanying photograph looks like a clover to me. It's it's uh, the whole flower is about the size of a nickel. But then he also sent some really big ones that don't seem like clover at all. These could be different species of clover, or they could just be, you know, different sizes of this. Maybe he cut this one off in its prime. Yeah, it, it was not well understood for many years why some clovers grow an extra leaf. Could it be? Some environmental factor about the soil? Uh, is it a somatic mutation? We now believe, thanks to the work of Rebecca Tashiro, a grad student at the University of Georgia in 2010, that it is a recessive gene. Oh. Much the same way that... Uh, Your blonde hair and blue eyes Exactly. Are. Uh, that, you know, three-leaf clover is the dominant genetic... What do you call that? Phenotype? Is that what it's called? Let's call it that. Well, just for now on, it's a phenotype. Phenotype. Uh for a clover, but there is a recessive gene. And she did this by mapping the whole genome of a certain species of clover, which turned out to be more complicated. This particular clover, for whatever reason, had two totally separate genomes. And she was not that interested in four-leaf clovers. She was actually hoping to... uh, Create a golem that conquered the world? (laughs) She was a food science student studying uh, alfalfa, which is a valuable animal silage. Is that what you call it? When yes. you give it a, Good fe- job. A nice fe- word. A phenotype? It is. That, that, that's the phenotype. I'm just going to use phenotype for everything I don't know what <laughs> means. I'm going to use silage. And so she was trying to figure out which genes in alfalfa led to certain leaf appearances and shapes and sizes and whatever. And one of the genes she isolated was the one that grows an extra leaf in the clover species. So what you're saying is that an evil villain like Elon Musk could just like mining Bitcoin, could be out there genetically manipulating clover so that they are making clover in labs that uh, that are going to concentrate the luck on them. Yes, you would think that four-leaf clovers would be a perfect solution for a green equivalent of Bitcoin. Yeah. Because just like Bitcoin, it takes hours of work to mine one. Tons and tons of pollution is created. They're easy, but they're not. There's no pollution created by picking clovers. Oh, because the clovers actually suck up the pollution from the Bitcoin. That's the thing. It's a reciprocal. Instead of running some massive electricity sucking server farm somewhere, you're, you're walking in the woods, um, running your hands through clover. What could be more, what could have a lighter carbon footprint? But you have to be employing former Nazi doctors to be to be creating this clover. Well, that's the problem. There does seem to be... A Nazi connection again? I'm afraid not. But there do seem to be secret agricultural techniques you can use to produce four-leaf clovers. And I'm not saying that Roy here did not find these. Because there are people who have just found tens of thousands of clovers. And they. I, I read an account of a woman who said, yeah, it's actually really easy once you're used to it. You just have to train your eyes... When you look over a sea of clover, you're going to see triangles. I believe that. And you need to look for the square. You need to train your eye to 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 yeah focus on the clover that seems to be a square. As a longtime clover hunter who never once found a square, I yeah I can think of times where I've been you know sort of on my belly in the in the clover searching searching searching. I mean you can't touch every one, so you start looking with your eyes. I just is, never. Do you start with touching them to see if they yeah, feel like a four-leaf yeah, clover? Is this a four-leaf? Is this? Is this? Do you have? Are you blindfolded in this scenario? Uh, no, no. Uh, that's the that's the crazy thing. I'm well, looking away. I'm watching. I'm, I'm 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 watching Batman on my phone. Are you? Do you feel like in general you're good at looking for things? My eyesight isn't my best sense. I just. I don't think it's for me. It's not eyesight. It's cognitive. Like I am got to be yeah. in the lower twenty percent of looking. Of looking like visual learners, because twice a week, my wife will be like, "It is literally in front of you on the counter." No, it's not. Yes, it is. I I do feel like I I can see, I can see around corners. I can see through the mists. Of are of, you the one in your household that's like, uh, "Honey, you're not looking. It's right over on the table." No, it's more. 
it's more like in a crowd i can see the the sniper i can see the sniper right i can you know i see the i see the kid throwing a suspicious package in the garbage can through all the through all the hullabaloo he'd kill us if he had the chance uh, what I was going to say is they must clump even in nature because there are world records like, uh, Guinness records who has found the most 40 clovers in one hour. And the record is 451. Guinness needs to get a life. <laughs> That's eight a minute almost. Yeah. Which they must would clump. be, which would be one every seven seconds. Well, as a recessive gene, you would think that when they, however, clover breed. Exactly. We'll, 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 we'll find out from the, from our future clovers, sentient they'll, clovers. They'll send in their sex tips. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's consistent with an environmental factor, something in the soil, you know, the soil here is very alkaline and therefore the clovers have an extra leaf, but you're right. It's, it's also consistent with a recessive gene and these clovers grew from those. It's that seed is what seeded. Right. Um, but uh, as I was alluding to, there are ways, we can never use this as Bitcoin because there are ways to force clover to grow a fourth leaf. And I just don't know what they are. Is it? Uh, the, it's top secret. Their mom smokes cigarettes? <laughs> there is a farm called the Clover Specialty Company outside of St. Petersburg, Florida that grows Dutch clovers with an incredibly high hit rate of four leaf clovers. And they, of course, embed them in Lucide and sell keychains and stuff. That's right. that's what they're in the business oh, of doing. Oh, sure, that's smart. It's like a up in Alaska where they uh, they spray some fixative on moose turds and sell them as keychains. Oh, really? Is that a thing? Yeah, afraid so. I thought you were going to say they encase mooses in in lucite. Moose, no, that <laughs> they encase them in moosite. It'd be much harder to sell. No, in the seventies and eighties, they used to have little moose turds on the end of swizzle sticks. Back when like swizzle in a sticks were a thing, yeah. Yeah, little you moose don't turd want that. Aren't, or isn't there a little dry moose turd powder that's falling into your drink? No, they cover them with plastic somehow. Oh, I it see. was a whole thing, but you know, the 70s were a very corrupt time. I don't know much about the the cocktail culture of Alaska in the 1970s. Uh, did, did, did you ever see a, a, someone collect swizzle sticks? Yeah. It, that was a thing. It was. And so, yeah, swizzle sticks. They had, they'd had they have a little heart on them. Yeah, or, and, the, uh, and the name of the bar. Yes. Um. I think people realized you don't need a swizzle stick. Well, well, how hard how hard is it to no. drink a drink that isn't mixed? I mean, by the very act of making a drink mixes it. You'd think that's the bartender's job. Yeah, right, exactly. Bartender it, mixes it with their finger. Is it going to stay? Is it going to unmix? Do, do, drinks, do mixed drinks separate due to density? They must over the course of hours, but not in the time that any good alcoholic is going to well, drink not it. Not in Alaska. Exactly. Like how, how long is it going to take an Alaskan to drink their gin and tonic? Or Not long. Invent the name of a fictional 70s Alaskan cocktail for me. Like I go up to the bar and I order a, I order a, 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 uh, a Kodiak bear. I yeah, order Kodiak a, bear. No, you get a, uh, you get an, uh, uh, a beaver gland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give, I'll give have me, two beaver glands and a duck fart. <laughs> the farm in St. Petersburg, Florida is now run by a family called Safco that inherited it from... Fake name. Totally fake name. What if it's not? What if it's like some totally common Lebanese name and now you just sound racist? Oh, right. Safco. Oops. Sorry, Lebanese. Or whoever. Romanians. No, it's not a Romanian name. You would know. Carpa- yeah. It's not Carpathia. No, it's not. If it was Chowchef Safco. <laughs> the farm in uh, St. Petersburg, or outside St. Petersburg, uh, I think it's the Gulfport, Florida, was founded by some guy who was <laughs> uh, a radio operator in the Panama Canal Zone in the 30s. He founded his own town? You could still find found towns? No, he in- founded a farm. Oh, a farm. Okay. He didn't found all of Gulfport, Florida. You okay. can still found uh, found farms, though, John. Follow your dream. Well, I think in Alaska you can found a town if you if you you're really serious about I it. I think you can found a town anywhere. Not in Seattle. I think if, I think I tried <laughs> on Capitol Hill, like the town of John. This is the yeah the the occupied zone. Right. John Roderick occupied. Uh, what did the P stand for? I mean, my my uh, my occupied zone was right there. That the my the town of John was right on eleventh between Pike and Pine. Uh, when I was a kid living up in Edmonds, we always used to marvel at uh, at Perrinville because my mom had once met Mister Perrin, old man Perrin, the guy who had tried to start up this little. And you know, today it's just a kind of a desolate strip mall. I used to go to a dentist there. Yeah, but uh, at the time we were like, you knew the guy that founded a town, and this town is just this one parking lot. 
But you're right. It didn't catch on. <laughs> it's not, it's not a municipality. It doesn't have a post office. No, uh, this guy uh, in in Central America in the thir- in the Panama Canal zone in the 30s, doing radio work for the government, had come up with a just as a amateur botanist or agronomist had come up with a technique to grow four leaf clovers. Oh. He went back to Florida and planted fields of them. When he retired, he passed along the secret to the Safcos, who tell no one. Uh-huh. And they have a secret way of propagating Dutch clover in such a way that it produces a remarkable number of four-leaf clovers. So if we ever do go to clovers as a Bitcoin-like currency, the Safcos Our, will control the world economy. Right. They'll be the, the Sam Waltons of this, of this world. Ken, uh, you and Mindy do quite a bit of cooking. You're you're uh, you're like home cookers. Yes, more Mindy than me. She's great. Uh, Her just, food just is due to skill level. Great. And I discovered during the pandemic that like I really don't miss restaurant food. I just miss restaurants. Yeah, me too. I find takeout to be kind of depressing. Yeah. It's like a step below just making your own gross food at home. Did you get into? Did you have you ever fetishized uh, cookware? Do you have like? Yeah. Because you guys have that cool Polish pottery, but do you also have like? Fancy cookware? Sure, just watching a Nancy Myers movie, you see those cool copper pans hanging above the yeah. kitchen island. Uh, and it makes a difference. It's not just aesthetic. Like, if you're serious about cooking, you want to use good quality stuff because, you know, it's a pleasure to use the tools, for one thing. Right. It's not a hassle, like a lousy, trying to peel potatoes with a lousy knife. And the food turns out better if you have the right pans. So we were lucky enough recently to each get a uh, uh, an example of made-in cookware's uh, carbon steel frying pan. They sent us a pan, and, and uh, that's all it took. We we just rolled over on our backs like dogs wanting our tummies rubbed, and said, "We'll do ads because you sent us a pan." I actually initially used the pan to whack a coyote over the head. <laughs> And then he stopped chasing the roadrunner for a minute. I gave it to Andy Cap's wife and she chased him around the house, but he had it coming. But then, drunk. Y- you know, after I kind of seasoned the pan and used it a couple of times, wow, it's a fantastic device for cooking. And it, it, the experience of it is much different from uh, using one of my off the shelf frying pans. Your cheapo target crap. Yeah. That stuff I bought at Kirkland 15 years ago. Made in makes professional quality cookware and knives. I haven't seen the knives, but the pan is fantastic. You can, you can tell just by hefting it. It's a hefty that pan. You're dealing with a quality pan. I made to laugh. It's made to laugh. It's made to laugh. <laughs> it's made to last. Uh, lifetime guarantee. Um, and you just, it just cooks better. Like it'll, a pan like that distributes heat better. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. If you haven't tried using good cookware and at a great price, this is what you should try. Yeah, they they are able to uh, they're able to sell it at a at a great price because they cut out the middleman and bring the savings directly to you. A guy makes a pan and sends it to your house. That's the made in way. It really makes me want a better stove. You know, now it's my stove that's keeping me back. We need to find a stove uh, advertiser. Yeah. Hmm. Made in better cookware for better meals. Uh, so go to madeincookware.com/omnibus and use the promo code omnibus. Speaking of Guinness having too much time, you know, the most prestigious Guinness record is who has the biggest collection overall of four-leaf clovers or four-leafs oh, clover. How many pages are devoted just to four-leaf clovers in the Guinness Book of World Records? It's now the entire book. Uh-huh. They got rid of unicycling and that guy that eats the car, and uh-huh. now it's just records related to four-leaf clovers. Okay, so the greatest number of four-leaf clovers is what we're talking about now. Collected lifetime. And uh, this was their most prestigious award, obviously, because yeah, sure. you want to you recognize the, the stamina of the lifetime achievement. Yeah, you get a very tall trophy. I mean, collecting 450 an hour is great, but then you could... You could uh, just knock off for the day. Sure, you could retire from from the whole career. You could never see a clover again. But uh, that feels like a good record, though. Like retire on top, the greatest number of clovers collected in an hour. Yeah, but who's going to be remembered? Mic you know? drop. It's going to be. It's going to be. You know, uh, Hank Aaron, seven hundred and whatever home run careers. It's not going to be some weirdo that hit right. three home runs in a game or, or five in a doubleheader. Right. Right. Okay. So what is it? Uh, what is the greatest number? The record is currently 111,060. 100 
and 11,000 clover. And it belongs to an Alaskan, you'll be delighted to hear. Go on. But there was some drama. For many years, the award was not held by, or the record was not held by our gentleman from the Kenai Peninsula. Am I saying that right? You are. Edward Martin Sr. No, no, no. This The record was long held by a George Kaminsky of Pennsylvania. This sounds like the Donkey Kong high score controversy. It is, and, and, and including the fact that there's a good one and an evil one. Because George Kaminsky took up his collection while he was serving between 30 and 133 years for shooting at a police officer. He had actually done, he had actually done five years for burglary uh, to support a heroin habit. And then while in prison, I think still in prison for burglary, he faced trial again for uh, firing at a cop. So he's collecting four-leaf clovers just in a prison yard? In various state prisons in Pennsylvania. Uh, one day, I guess the story goes, he's uh, he's giving advice to a new inmate or uh, 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 fish, as they call them in Shawshank. Oh, all right. And he says, you know, you know, he's giving whatever kinds of advice you give to the Listen, new guy. Listen, kid. On your first day in prison, find the biggest four-leaf clover and pick it, or, or, <laughs> uh-huh. or whatever you say. Yeah. And he, as he's, he's out in the yard and he sees, as he's telling this guy, you know, you just got to, you know, you can do anything you set your mind to. And just then he looks down and he sees a four-leaf clover. And he thinks this is a sign and he picks it up. And that's the first one in his collection. And he notices that the prison yard here has an unusually high number of four-leaf clovers. And furthermore, he finds out that the Guinness Book of World Records for a lifetime clover achievement is only 7,000. So he thinks, you know what? This can be done even from prison. Well, what did these four-leaf clover do? To get put in prison. <laughs> I, they were born in prison. That's what's oh, so tragic. Yeah, that is bad. They're, they're a second generation. Uh, within four months, he has collected 13,302 clovers from the yard and has you know, effectively doubled the world record. But the, the Guinness people don't want to recognize him because he's a con? No, you can. that's not disqualifying. Oh, all right. Just, just like you can still vote in most states. You can still have a record while you're serving 133 years for in Pennsylvania for shooting, shooting at a cop. Uh, he was transferred to a different prison a few months later, but he struck a deal with the new warden. You know, can, can he, I bring my clover? Because he's the clover man of Alcatraz at this point. He says, can I go look for clover in the yard? And the, the warden says, if you pick up cigarette butts, you can keep all the clovers you find. So over the next decade, he amasses 72,927 clover. Uh, is this the thing where he's like totally scaring other inmates because he's just like this guy that's out like you're you're making crazy eyes except it's about it's about clover. Would you be intimidated by the clover collecting guy in it prison? Does feel a little bit maybe extreme, especially well he's a cop shooter too. So yeah, I mean it, it might be the opposite thing. Like look at this. Uh, I mean, he's got to have maybe he's got to have tough guys with with uh, Aryan Brotherhood tattoos to once they find out he's the. It does seem a little soft. Yeah, it's, it's like a little Ferdinand and, the Bull. Andy, Andy Dufresne listening to opera. Yeah. Right? Uh, after 10 years, he gets transferred to a, uh, what do you call it, minimum security prison? That's what in, I would call it. In Mercer, Pennsylvania. You would mm-hmm. call it silage, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd call it a silage prison. Right. I'd call, it a, I'd call it a phenotype <laughs> prison. Gimcrack prison. Yeah, it's a real gimcrack minimum security prison <laughs> in Mercer, Pennsylvania. And uh, why did he get off so easy? Oh, it's probably that the the clover makes everybody trust him more. Good behavior. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that's the best behavior. He's found something to channel his life into that's yeah. not heroin, burglary, or uh, uh, yeah. assault on law enforcement. Uh, unfortunately, this minimum security prison, which is I think everyone else would think of as a pretty plum uh, assignment, has no four leaf clovers. Has oh, no they, clovers at all in the. They yard. put preen down. So. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so suddenly he's worried because his record is now in jeopardy. Uh-huh. Edward Martin Sr. was born in Brooklyn, but he always liked the little patches of grass and clover sticking up through the asphalt and the concrete. Uh, and he would always be able to, even as a kid, he could always find a four-leaf clover. He was a cloverman from the very beginning. A clover person, cloverphile. Uh-huh. Uh, and later in life... When he ended up, well, he moved to Alaska in the 50s and spent decades, you know, doing Alaskan stuff, roads and pipelines, 
That's a that's a, a very good time to move to Alaska if you're going to have bragging rights. Respectable Alaskan library. Yeah, that makes him a real early adopter. It does. 57, it's before statehood. Yes. Uh, in uh, By 2005, you know, he's now a retiree with, um, you know, fixed income, but no fixed address. He's just a guy in a motorhome. And he spends his days... Driving, the most Alaskan dri- story. Driving, yeah, like <laughs> everyone else in Alaska. Uh-huh. Driving around to different parts of the Kenai Peninsula... You know, spotting moose and bald eagles and going for a walk and finding more four-leaf clover. It's just what he does every day. Right. And, and it, I think it dates back to when he was building roads and pipelines. This is a guy who was out in the woods and would keep his head down and and would spot four-leaf clover everywhere. Yeah. And so, as, uh, as Kaminsky's record stalls in his new minimum security prison— Martin is still building his numbers, and Kaminsky being interviewed about this worries to reporters. Do they know about each other? Or are they like they do? Oh, okay. they do. How did? I mean, Kaminsky I gets news coverage. I mean, it's a great story that this uh, guy has the world's biggest four leaf clover collection. And he got it all from yeah prison right, yards. Right. So, uh, so the Alaskan guy is like, oh, really? Yeah, and and Kaminsky, of course, would grouse to the papers. That guy's got the whole world. I have two or three acres. You know, like he's got a much higher degree of difficulty. Yeah, sure. And later he starts to say, hey, you know. My record is now in danger, but uh, if if they would just if Guinness would just let me go to my sister's house, I've got, you know, ten eight thousand more four leaf clovers on cards in a filing cabinet. If they would just certify those, and they won't. Oh, so he started because oh, right, they could have been collected by anybody. He started complaining about the technicalities of Guinness's clover counting, and uh, in May twenty two thousand seven, Kaminsky still in prison gets. The worst news in the world, which is the Guinness has certified Martin's new record, oh. which, as we've heard, is now up to 111,060. I feel bad for the prison guy. I feel I feel bad for the, the cop-killing burglar. Yeah, he, uh, well, he didn't kill the cop. I right. think he, he fired near a cop, but they don't take kindly to that in no. Pennsylvania. Uh, it, it was maybe a fatal blow to Kaminsky, who I found a record of his, uh, of his death the following February. Uh I think he died still incarcerated. Of a broken heart. <laughs> right. Pink hearts, orange <laughs> moons, yellow, yellow moons. clovers. Uh, and as a result, to this day, I believe Edward Martin Sr. is still alive and is still the Guinness record holder. You don't lose a record when you die. Right. You'd think, you'd think it would just be for living records, but no. No, no. I mean, Hank Aaron. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Here's his obit. He died also. He died in April of 2013. Here's his obituary in the Frontiersman, is this an Alaskan paper of note? The Frontiersman, yeah. Served as the key served in the Korean War as a Navy submariner. He once collected more than a thousand in a single day and had to enlist the help of his great grandson to help preserve. Can you imagine being that poor great grandson? Oh, so he also has the most in a single day record. I guess if one I mean except probably not, because whoever the woman is with four fifty one in an hour. It, oh, all, it's an all, hour. All she had to day. do was put in two more records. Well, no, she just she like you say she won, and and then she went to the tavern for a beer. He believed that Alaska was the luckiest place on earth. Do you do you believe that Alaska is the luckiest place on hmm, earth? Sort of depends on what you're looking for, but it, I, there's an awful lot of luck up there. There's a lot of saloons with luck in the name. There are, I oh, assume. Well, there there was a great hamburger restaurant. Oh, it's still there. Great hamburger restaurant downtown in Anchorage called the Lucky Wishbone. My dad uh, knew the owner, and we used to go there all the time. The I don't want a bone. I don't want a burger at a place named for a bone. Well, I prefer my fast food boneless. Yeah, but it's a a lucky wishbone is from a turkey. Still, but this is a burger. Did they also serve like a turkey dinner or a, a steak and chops? You know, all I ever had there was a burger and a milkshake. Huh. I mean, we used to go there all the time. It was one of the special things my dad and I would do. Go to the lucky wishbone. I don't think a burger place should be named after poultry. That's that's a. That's well, the principle I stick to. That's what I mean. Like that restaurant, that restaurant called Bonefish. <laughs> exactly. I feel like that is the last thing you want in a in a fish. I think you now complain about Bonefish Grill once per show, and now they'll never sponsor us. Well, we'll see. So, oh, I already talked about that on Omnibus, didn't I? I Bonefish. I don't remember. Or is that just something that you, you and I you, were talking were about? Were you and I sitting around complaining <laughs> about chain restaurants, like usual? Like usual. Anyway, so now that both these men are apparently dead, there is an opening. If you would care to find more than 111,000... I have found zero. I know. Like, you and I are not on pace. No. But clover is coming back. Clover was a common lawn seed as late as the 1950s. Oh, right. As a a ground cover. Yeah, just as a postscript to this. You know, people would love the lush, drought-resistant green that would be provided by clover in their their lawn. Kind of the 
the idyllic meadow-like vibe. Does it? Is it year-round? If you have a lawn of clover, does it just it just propagates? Yeah. And- clover stays green all the time. It doesn't. I was reading a list of benefits of clover in your lawn, and I gotta say, yeah, I was kind of sold. Really, it doesn't turn brown when dogs pee on it. Nice. It stays green in summer when there's low uh, 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 rainfall. I support it. It's delicious uh, for uh, bunnies to chew on. How do you get it to grow? It's, it grows everywhere. Like clover's a weed and it keeps out other like noxious weeds. So it's got those beautiful pinky purple flowers. Yes. Really no downside. And so it's become a popular xeriscaping option, as we mentioned in the grass show, for people who are realizing that a perfectly manicured uniform, I mean, that's what killed clover and lawn seed, is people just wanting this uniform carpet in their Levittown in the 50s. Oh, uh, boo. And so kind of the return to nature, you know, our, our new romantic idea of what a lawn can be to use less water, whether that's rocks and succulents or uh, a lush field of clover. Uh, Clover's coming back and maybe that means, maybe that means we'll all get lucky. And that concludes Four Leaf Clovers. Entry 495.JE3623 Certificate number 12598 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, in the unlikely event that either Ken or I have, uh, in the few remaining years of our lives, we, we choose to redevote uh, ourselves to end up collecting more than 100,000 clovers. A clover. six digit number of four leaf clovers. Uh, you can find all of this archived at Omnibus Project on social media. You can find Ken. On social media at John, or I'm sorry, at John Roderick. Go to at John Roderick for all of Ken's greatest tweets. No, go to at Ken Jennings for Ken's greatest tweets. Uh, you can find me or reference to me in various places on the internet, in, <laughs> including my Patreon at uh, John Roderick. You can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. You can support our show with your hard-earned dollars and with your plastic-encased moose turds and four-leaf clovers at patreon.com slash omnibusproject. No, only with money at patreon.com slash omnibusproject, but you can mail your plastic-encased moose turds and and four-leaf clovers to P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington, 98155, and you can socialize with other futurelings under the heading Futurelings at uh, all social media. You don't have to send us your four-leaf clovers. John and I each have one now, thanks to Roy. And also, you don't have to send us any moose moose nuggets. So you can send... We're good. You can send your... Um, you know, if you have a four-leaf clover, you know, or if you have more than one, pass it along. Redistribute the luck. Yeah, send a salami to your boy in the army. But we're good. And send a four-leaf clover to somebody in prison. We got a couple postcards today to the P.O. Box. Ramon from Chile. Hello, Ramon. We, we, he says, uh, I noticed you get a lot of mail from the U.S., and he just wanted us to know we uh, we have a fan in, in Chile. This uh, is required $1,010 Chilean dollars in stamps to get here, so thank you for your sacrifice, Ramon. Uh, what, does he have a, a return address? Where in Chile is he? Santiago, apparently. It's a nice town. Uh, he, I've never been. He, it's a penguin uh, Antarctic postcard. But you have been there. I have been there. Does that count as as, uh, as Chile? Yes. I, I've seen Chile because I've seen across the, the mountains in Tierra del Fuego, but I never actually crossed the border. Um, he wanted to shout out Jim at Tamerlane blog for turning him on to Omnibus. Thanks, oh, Ramon. Right on. And right on, Jim. And here's a postcard. I don't understand this. The theme is the discourse pen pal group to send postcards to my pen pals. Is, is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, the discourse group, I think, over at uh, patreon.com slash John Roderick. Uh, they, were, they, st- they initiated a, hey, everybody send postcards to one another. And uh, somebody must have rolled the dice and got an omnibus. It's some, I can't read their name. It starts with a D. Maybe a Don or a Dave. Is it D's nuts? But th- <laughs> Yeah, I can see why he didn't want to write out his full name. Uh, he or she says, even though I know you're a minimalist when it comes to PJs. Is it Dawn, D-A-W-N? I don't know if it is or not. No. We have heard from Dawn before. Yeah. Uh, this is just a D and a squiggle. 
but it's somebody who is uh, sending you a postcard that's on ad for uh, like a 50s era ad for pre-shrunk pajamas. How do you know it's to me? Are you sure it's not to us both? No, this is addressed to you. I'm just reading your mail. Oh, thanks. Thanks, bro. So there you go. But thank you. Thank you for sending us those those many things. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that no catastrophe is imminent, and in fact, that it never comes. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But what a light, cheery final entry that would be. Yeah, that would be fun. If we just went out on four-leaf clovers and then the bombs fell. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the omnibus.